Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So happy to have you here with us at the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal, episode 1096. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, we have a great show for you today. Some great examples of... Uh, I'm feeling a little short here for a second. You uh, are <laughs> just feeling short? I'm just feeling short. Okay. I'm shorter. How's that? Feeling shorter than I usually am. Maybe I'm not sitting in my chair properly, slumpering, whatever. But uh, I have my, my, my post-Mother's Day t-shirt on today, JC. The Women of, of Real Courage. My hair out of the way so everybody can see it. Mercy Otis Warren, my favorite founding mother. First American woman historian. First American woman uh, playwright. Playwright and first American woman. Um, JC, you're distracting Political. me. Political advisor. Thank you very much. Mercy Otis Warren, first American woman playwright, first American woman political advisor, first American woman historian. She wrote a history See, I've book. You. I've heard you teach it so I much. Know. I could fill I know, in for you. Right? I got your back. You got my back. Um, Mercy wrote a three-volume set called The Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution, she said, I have to write this history because I lived it. And you know, JC, we teach this at libertyfirstuniversity.com. We teach this as we teach and travel. And I know you agree from not only from an historical or constitutional perspective, from a biblical perspective, too, that the only good teaching source on historical things is the original source. And so Mercy Otis Warren's book, The Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution, is the best history book on the American Revolution that can be found, period. Because she wrote it. Because she lived it. And she wrote with such candor mm -hmm. that she ticked off John Adams. Yeah, John didn't like the candor with which she wrote. But Mercy was an anti-federalist, which probably also kind of chapped her. You know, I mean, the anti-federalist wasn't an invention of an ideology, right? Mm -hmm. The anti-federalist was an expression of who she was. And so that, that personality within her that caused her to be classified as an anti-federalist probably really chapped John Adams' hide yeah. on that one. <laughs> David E. Burden, my man, he is back and visible in the chat room. Welcome awesome. back, David. I don't know what was going on, but welcome back, brother. It's good to see you. And, and uh, You know, it had to have been something with our YouTube channel because we're... We're streaming live in different ways. Excuse me, my necklace is giving me trouble. In a different way off. this evening, yeah. Yeah, so we're streaming in a different way this evening, which means that, guess what? Maybe there's something wrong. We may need to go in and check and see if David wasn't accidentally banned. Surely not. I mean, well, that's why I said accidentally, right? Yeah. I, I would not have purposely, but you know how that thing spins sometimes yeah. in the chat room, and it may be that... That somehow, when we went to block somebody, it spun and and didn't. So now Who we knows? have like a troubleshooting thing going on, and we can figure out what happened. So welcome back, brother. Good to see you. And those listening by audio and 
iTunes and whatever, man. You 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 miss all the you miss all the fun <laughs> in the chat room. Yeah. If you you know if you're only yeah. listening by audio, so you miss out. Yeah, we get on got, the get on the YouTube live stream. Get on the YouTube live stream, man. We we love we love we love the chat room people. We love the people uh, who who make you know the the fact that we have people who participate really rounds out what we do here. Yeah. Because you know we're we because we are a family and because we're on the internet, right? You know, we don't have like a call-in show where people call 1-800-555-LIBERTY-FIRST, right? And and so this is the way that we have to participate, which which makes me very, very excited. JC, we have uh, some great topics today. We have a little bit of a shorter show today because I have a webinar that I have to do this afternoon. So those of you who are used to us going straight to the 7 o'clock hour, we, we will be cutting out a little bit early today. So I can go do this webinar this afternoon. But I just wanted to ask you, JC, should we cover the House bill, the Supreme Court, or the sheriff first? Uh, let's go with the sheriff first. The sheriff first. Okay, great. So I, you know what? You like the good news segments first, don't you? They just sort of, <laughs> they get you all prepared spiritually and psychologically for the yeah. punch down. I don't really I don't really have a huge punch down today. But as if it were called that anyway, but tomorrow tomorrow the story and the video that I have lined up is is going to be a little bit disturbing. So I just want to get, you know, make sure the sharp, sharp objects are hidden, the, Thank you for the, the, warning. the duct tape is in place and you don't feel like you're ready to go out and start a revolution tomorrow before you listen to the show. So what's going on with the sheriff? So we have sheriffs standing up all over the country. And I wanted to share with you, I wanted to share with you a letter, an open letter posted by the Chavez County Sheriff in New Mexico. His name is Mike Harrington. And from what I understand, JC, that this particular post is being shared among the sheriffs across the country, and they're post, they're you know making it more, uh, they're making it relevant to their own areas and reposting it as well. And so, as you guys share this letter and share it with your sheriff, what you're actually sharing is knowledge and virtue and courage, which is giving our sheriffs the, what they need to stand. So let's see here. You think this is the best mm -hmm. view to do this? All right, so this is directly from the Chavez County Sheriff's uh, Office Facebook page. Oh, that's even better, JC. That looks prettier. And I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you because we have those of you who are listening on iTunes and Google Music Play and SoundCloud and Spotify and all those other things. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, posted by Sheriff Mike Harrington, duty as sheriff per the Constitution. Since before the birth of America, the duty of the sheriff has been to secure the rights of the people. This is evidenced by the sheriff's oath of office as a promise to the people to support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of New Mexico and defend them, these rights of the people, against all enemies whatsoever. The New Mexico Bill of Rights enshrines to every citizen of New Mexico the right that all persons are born equally free, have certain natural, inherent, and inalienable rights, 
among which are the rights of enjoying and defending life and liberty. I love this part of the New Mexico Constitution, J.C., acquiring, possessing, and protecting property Mm -hmm. and of seeking and obtaining safety and happiness, that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, and private property shall not be taken or damaged for public use without just compensation. The sheriff goes on to say every business in Chavez County is essential when the people are dependent upon that income to provide for themselves and their families. It's not the job of government to provide income to the people. And New Mexico was built upon the principle of private property ownership, hard work, and self-reliance. To say otherwise is simply ridiculous. As a constitutional sheriff, it's my duty and obligation to defend the rights of the people against every and all infringements. The New Mexico Constitution establishes a strict separation of power to ensure the security of the rights of the people, and that, quote, the powers of the government of this state are divided into three distinct departments, the legislative, executive, and judicial, and no person or collection of persons charged with the exercise of powers properly belonging to one of these departments shall exercise any powers belonging to either of the others. Furthermore, the New Mexico Constitution delegates to the legislative branch alone full legislative power for the governor to issue orders with the expectation that they be enforced upon the people is in direct conflict with the Constitution of the state of New Mexico and the most violent defiance of the essential principles of separation of powers. As a constitutional sheriff, it's my duty and obligation to defend the Constitution of the state of New Mexico against all violations and abuses of power. The sheriff is not a hireling of the state. We do not work for the governor or the county, and we we are not beholden to any one person for a paycheck. We We are direct constitutional representatives of the people. We work for the people and therefore are the highest law enforcement authority in our county. All other law enforcement in the state is subject to the authority of the sheriff within their county. That authority demands the highest respect for the Constitution and the rights of the people, to which I intend to defend. The question here today is whether we overturn 244 years of history and duty of the sheriff for a new and radical ideology that replaces the duty of the sheriff to protect the rights of the people and the Constitution of New Mexico with an unconstitutional and unchecked power exercised by a governor that looks more like a monarch than the servant of the people. I will not stand idly by and and watch the lives, liberties, and rights of the people of Chavez County of New Mexico violated by unconstitutional and unjust pretended authorities. Very nice. Sheriff Mike Harrington. Sheriff Mike Harrington rock of on, Chavez County. Talk about rock on, man. Seriously. And it's spreading. And that's how liberty spreads. You know, I remember, uh, you know, in my studies, and actually in the class that I teach on the Founding Mothers, JC, there's a quote by, uh, that, I, that I publish by Abigail Adams, which is actually the uh, quote from a content of a letter that Abigail Adams is writing to Mercy Otis Warren. And Abigail is describing to Mercy the scene of the Boston Tea Party because Mercy wasn't actually living in Boston. She wor- she lived in Barnstable. And um, 
did I say that with the proper kind of Massachusetts accent yeah, right there? Barnstable. <laughs> you gotta go and that how that that's how that works up there. But anyway, she was writing to Mercy about that, and she said, um, uh, "The flame has been lit, and we watch as it spreads from as it catches. Excuse me, as it catches from soul to soul." And I think that's what we're seeing happening in America today. The oppression, and this is an historical observation. I have studied centuries of history and the progress of oppression and liberty and oppression and liberty. And it is always some power drunk politician that will become so out of control that it wakes the people up. Right. And that's what we, we have to do here. And that's what I think we're seeing here. I mean, seriously, how can you not believe that when you see people in California? You have the sheriff of Orange County, California, publicly and openly defying the, the, the governor of California. Mm -hmm. Is that not the liberty catching from soul to soul? It certainly gives good examples, for, you know, for other sheriffs. And I think, <clears throat> like you look at the, I think, police officer that stood in Seattle, or I think he made a video or something, and then initially his supervisor was, yeah, right on. And uh, I think later they, then they started coming against him and, and uh, may have fired him mm -hmm. <clears throat> or are firing him or in the process of firing him or something like that. Maybe he can come get a job in Chavez County, New Mexico. But, you know, it, it it is then shows examples like this is this guy in Seattle is not just some lone troublemaker. I mean, right. so this is it's great what the sheriff is doing. More sheriffs should uh, and more officers should so that a guy like the one in uh, Seattle doesn't feel like he's alone. And and maybe even if there are people say there are people in this in Seattle in that police department that want to stand with this guy, but are afraid, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe this will encourage some of his fellow officers to to stand and support him. Right. So exactly. We need this to continue to spread for all of those reasons. You know, not for the main reason. Obviously, the sheriff stand and protect protect the people there in his county. Uh, but this also serves as an encouragement for others to stand when they have examples. I know when we like when we talk to legislatures and stuff when we were when we were in there pushing for various things. So many of these legislatures would go well. Uh, has somebody else done this? Can you show me another state that's yes. like, they always yes. want to see an example. Show me somebody else that, that stood because I don't want to stand by myself. So, you know, you always have that out there because there's so much, you know, one, people don't have the courage. Number two, you know, they don't have enough courage. Maybe, maybe they're not completely devoid of courage, but there's such a pressure against them and such threat and, and such a wall that people don't have enough courage to stand. So when they see anybody, somebody else, that then, you know, grows. You know, Jesse, I, I'll give somebody a little bit of benefit of doubt there. Courage is not necessarily what's lacking as much as knowledge. Because remember, Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge right. is, di is diffused and virtue right. is preserved. Knowledge Our, infuses courage. Right, exactly. Because when I speak to people, uh, I speak to sheriffs, I speak to legislators, once they get a confidence 
yeah. in the knowledge and the principles, yeah. then they have that boldness to stand. What we lack is confidence that drives the courage. And that's part of what's so important about Liberty First University. You know, when we tra when I travel and teach the legislators in session, I can't tell you how many times I I've been uh, approached by legislators afterwards, and I mean not just like five minutes afterwards, but like months afterwards, and said, you know, what you gave me, I went back and I researched and I moved and I did, and it was just amazing uh, how much more I know and how much freer I am to stand up and challenge, right? So when they don't understand, they don't even challenge their other House members or Senate members or other people in government because they lack the the confidence right. in what they actually know. Yeah, no, and we see that. Like when you do your your uh, your training with the sheriffs, and you you see the re you hear the reaction. Oh, I, di I didn't I didn't know that, or that's what I felt, but I didn't know exactly how to do that. I didn't know. Um, the history and the principles behind it and you're right that that knowledge sparks the confidence which which drives the courage for them to take a stand and you know we we have that at liberty first university libertyfirstuniversity.com or chrisanhall.com you can mm -hmm. find and sign up there we have people signing up and and getting this information getting the knowledge and then giving that to their sheriffs and peace officers and um, this the in fact this sheriff mike harrington in new mexico is a direct recipient of uh, the what you teach. Yeah, actually, um, the sheriff in New Mexico, the one that we're talking to, uh, talking about Mike Harrington, was in the sheriff's class that I taught to the Western Sheriff's Association in Reno, Nevada, just this past year. When I, I've mentioned this on air before, but I have that course that I teach to sheriffs, deputies, and police officers, the constitutional training. And the Western Sheriff's Association brought me in to teach the sheriffs and their deputies of 17 states, all in one huge conference room. And we did the three-hour training there. And I was so, I, I just want to mention that I was doubly encouraged by that training myself because the, the men and women that were there, JC, they were, sit, they were sitting in the edge of their seat. They were riveted. They didn't want to take any breaks. They wanted to hear it all. And even after we were done, the questions were so amazing. And, and they were just, they were so inspired that, again, like I said with the legislators, after the class, even the next day and, and weeks later, I got contact from them and saying, look, we called, uh, you know, we got in touch with our, our people. We're doing, reviewing our policies. We're changing policies. We're doing all kinds of things because of what we learned. And I think that's just, this is what's encouraging. You know, I talked on a, I was on the Jerome Corsi show today. You can actually go to Jerome Corsi's YouTube channel and watch the interview that I did with Jerome Corsi. And Jerome Corsi's producer lives in, in uh, he says, California. And he was, was really sort of downtrodden and, and, and lacking in hope about the future of his state until... I pointed out to him, you know, he was able to see through the program on how 
you know, liberty has continued to grow and how the Californians are standing. And then it call, recalled to his recollection that he lives in Orange County and that his sheriff was one that stood. And I explained to him we about all the patriots that we have in California. And so I, I think that I actually lifted his spirits. Yeah. And that's why they call me the most optimistic Lady Liberty in America. <laughs> you know, JC, I, I think need it's... It. I think it's time for us to mention and talk about our sponsor today, if that's all right with yep. you. Um, our sponsor today is the book Slanted. Um, when Simon Tam started an Asian-American dance rock band called The Slants, he didn't realize that he was starting an entire movement around freedom of expression and discussion on identity. The band flipped stereotypes with their bombastic live shows and community activism. But when Simon applied to register a trademark on the band's name, the government dragged him all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States, as if it's the government's stinking business what he names his group, right? Slanted is the story of an indomitable spirit who so believed in the idea of justice that he's willing to risk everything along the way for the dignity of self-identity. Simon reveals a deeply personal account that will take you from anime uh, conventions to the Supreme Court in all in the name of justice. The story provides a raw look at our legal system with unflinching honesty and offers timely insights on freedom of speech, how to connect with others we disagree with, and with the power of music. It's gripping, funny, enlightening, and time uh, and ultimately uplifting. Slanted provides, uh, I'm sorry, Slanted proves that no obstacle is too difficult to conquer as long as you have a little heart and a lot of rock and roll. It's an irrepressible story that is fresh, alive, and defines what it means to be an American. And it's available wherever books are sold. You can go to slantedbook.com and get a free sample from our listeners. Yeah, for our listeners, absolutely. Do it. Go to slantedbook.com. This is great for uh, people that, I mean, people that love uh, these legal cases and hearing the uh, personal stories. Like, it, it makes a difference when this is this somebody's real story. Somebody's life went went through this. Um, great gift for for law students, yeah, uh, attorneys, people of law school, attorneys, um, somebody in the public policy arena. So or just any American that's looking to know uh, more about liberty first. I mean, you guys are the cream of the crop out there. You know, Chris Annal Daily Journal people. You are the cream of the crop. You are. You, I, I think that I am confident in, in, in simply saying that the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal listeners, you are the cream of the crop of the, of the legal constitutional geek wonk world. Yeah, and this, this case you is about, you know, the quintessential American values of free speech. I mean, this is, this is a case that united ACL, ACLU on one side and Cato Institute on the other side because uh, it's such a core American issue the freedom of expression it it's funny it reminds me the guy that got fired for saying chink in the armor mm -hmm. uh from from espn this is what it makes me think of so you know the government saying oh you can't you can't call yourself slanted you're being racist to yourself <laughs> that's crazy all right so here we go um another story that i wanted to talk about today is something that's coming up in the Supreme Court 
It is Kristen Beal versus St. James School. And what you're seeing in the media headlines, once again, can you imagine, JC? Shock, surprise, and awe is not exactly what's happening in the courtroom. And so what I wanted to explain to you is what you really need to look for in this. Now, what you're going to see are headlines like this, sorry. Supreme Court to look again at whether teachers at religious schools are ministerial. Uh, Another headline that you need to keep your eye out for, things like fired for having breast cancer, religious liberty run amok. And then you have, uh, well, I think that's that's probably less of the headlines that I'm going to show you. But what we have is this case, and it springs off a, a 2012 Supreme Court opinion called Hosanna Tabor, in which the Supreme Court protected the right of religious groups to choose who teach the faith to their next generation, free from government interference. Now, what we're talking about is the... Civil Rights Act and how it exempts religious organizations from uh, government protections on discrimination. Okay, so the Civil Rights Act says that you can't discriminate based on religious ideologies, creeds and that sort of thing. But in employment, so uh, if you are, remember we've talked about this before, but if you're a, a, a business subject to public accommodation, which we all know is a false paradigm to begin with, but if you're a business subject to, to uh, public accommodation or you're a government business, you cannot discriminate in employment based on religious ideology. So you can't say you're a Christian, I'm not going to hire you, okay? Mm-hmm. But... If you are a private corporate club or a religious entity or religious school, then you can discriminate based on religious ideology because then what would be the point of being a religious school or a religious right. group if you couldn't describe, you know, and then, then, you know, if you worked at a synagogue, you would have to hire uh, Muslims or something like that. But if you work at a synagogue, if you, if you're, if you have a synagogue, then you, you can you can restrict your employment to people of the Jewish faith. And so that's, you can also hire Muslims if you want. To. You can hire Muslims if you want to, but a Muslim would not have a claim under the Civil Rights Act or in this case the question with uh Christine Beale is the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. So what we have JC is a situation where Christian Kristen Beale is a contract employee with the St. James School. Okay. Kristen Beal says that she informed the school that she was going to be tested for breast cancer and would need to take off time for treatment of that breast cancer. Okay. The school, uh, sometime later decided not to renew her contract, citing that they thought that her disciplinary standards within the classroom were way too um, lax. 
She had children coloring in their books. And so it was kind of like the teacher was more of a monitor of the classroom while the children did their online studies or paces or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to file a claim against uh, the school under the Americans for Disability Act claiming that she was fired because of her disability. Okay. Okay. Or at least because of her, her, her thing. Now, the district court said that she could file the claim because she wasn't strictly a religious employee as a teacher in the classroom, even though she works in a Catholic school. Even though she's the sole teacher in the classroom, even though the classroom conducts prayer twice a day and she is the advisor to the students when they have questions about their biblical training and their academic training. So the lower court said that being somebody in that position doesn't make you a minister of the faith. Therefore, the uh, school is not is not exempt from the Americas for for Disability Act, so you can sue them. All right, here's the problem with I, all of I've this. I've only seen that line of reasoning before. It's like mm -hmm. you're, so only, basically it's saying only, uh, only what would amount to professional yes. clergy right. has religious liberty protections. Right, exactly. And that's basically the bottom line of how this works. And so the problem here is being missed, JC, hugely missed. Number one, she's a contract employee, mm -hmm. which means that she has the ability to sue for violation of the terms of the contract. Okay. She does not have to sue under the Americans for Disability Act. She had a contract. They decided not to renew her contract. She could sue in civil court for contract violation. Okay, so it's not that she doesn't have the avenue to sue. So that is being completely missed by the mainstream media. They're completely jumping over that. Well, because it has to be driven into identity, right? That's It's mm -hmm. all about identity. You're, already, you're grouped in these identities. Right. So it's some civil rights suit of race, gender, sexual orientation, religious, it, it's all identities, right? Because they, they right. have to keep us fighting amongst each other in all these little tribes. Well, not only that, they want to muddy the waters on what's really happening here because they want to make sure that we get an opinion from the Supreme Court that diminishes the protection of separation of church from government authority. So we want, they want the Supreme Court to say, if you're a teacher in a Christian school, the school is not limited to hiring teachers for, uh, of that faith, which means if you work in a Christian school, then what you have to do is hire anybody. And if you refuse to hire somebody, maybe they're an atheist or maybe they're homosexual and your, your faith teaches against homosexuality, then all of a sudden you have all these lawsuits that can come forward because now they say that you can't discriminate based on religious beliefs because you're not quote unquote a professional clergy. 
So it just opens the door for the destruction of our our Christian school system and turns everything once again into public dominated government controlled schools. So problem number one, it completely ignores the fact that she actually does have a civil contract law dispute, uh, a contract dispute uh, that she could file under. Number two, it ignores the fact that yes, even as a not even as a secular employee, they have refused to renew her contract for an, an um, a performance issue. They didn't come out and say, you're sick, so we're not going to let you come back to work. They said, we uh, your classroom is too lax, you have some disciplinary issues, and we need to have a consistent teacher throughout the year. And it's not, and here's the other thing, JC, they didn't cancel her contract. Her contract ended, and they refused, they, they denied or, or, or just told her, we're not going not to renew, renew your contract. So even in a secular world, there's no dispute here. Third thing that it ignores, and this is the thing that, that for me is probably the most important which may just foof over people's heads. Where is it delegated to the federal government to have the authority to dictate to employers who they can and cannot hire and how they can and cannot discriminate? See, the Americas with, Americans with Disabilities Act is a completely unconstitutional act. The Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission is a completely unconstitutional commission. Should these be state issues? These should be state issues. Exactly. This is not a federal government realm. This is a state government realm. And once again, under the, uh, under the proper application of separation of church and state, the government has no authority to interfere, infringe, or insert itself in the church in any way, shape, or form. I suspect that a lot of these problems come about, JC, because we have way too many Christian schools taking government funding. And I suspect, if you dig in here, St. James Catholic School is getting some kind of funding somewhere that opens the door for federal infringements and federal control. Right. But the bottom line is that you need to be very careful about how you read these headlines and you need to be aware constitutionally how this is supposed to work. And it's this is dangerous because the true line of question is being covered by the agenda that's driven here. And so what's going to happen now, because it's about whether, the Ameri uh, whether she can be excluded from the Americans for Disabilities Act because she's a ministerial employee or not, rather than saying it's a church, it's a Christian school, it doesn't matter, you're, the federal government has no authority. And that should be it. You're a Christian school, that's it. You're done. 
we've got no jurisdiction. It's kind of like the governor said of Florida said, uh, we don't have any constitutional authority to shut down churches. We don't have any constitutional authority to tell churches how to run their business. And that would apply to Christian schools as well. Well, it might give you some, some insight into the the churches and ministers that were bowing down, probably the ones taking money from uh, from their masters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and letting them dictate what goes on, you know, what they preach and what they do. Well, then you also have... If the you know they're already calling the shots, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to buck the system. Well, then you also have the false narrative that's given about having a 501c3. You know, how many churches out there believe they actually have to have a 501c3 and they have to make sure that what they're doing, uh, you know, doesn't violate the 501c3. So the IRS comes, shuts them down and stops them from being a church, mm -hmm. which is a completely false narrative. Not a single church in America has to have a 501c3. Donovan Jewett, Super Chat today. He says, Washington State, he's in Washington State late but made it. We have a few Leos, that's short for law enforcement officers, that are standing by their oath and refusing to enforce the foolishment. Foolishness. <laughs> the foolishment. And what else does it say? One so far has been dismissed. Hmm. Now, uh, officers, remember, there's a difference between a police officer and a sheriff. A police chief or a police officer or a state police all work at the pleasure of the governor or the city. A sheriff does not work at the pleasure of the governor or the city or the county. So a sheriff cannot be dismissed for refusing to, in, in, to enforce unconstitutional laws, which is key. That's the whole point that, of the separation of power between the sheriff and the rest of the state. So, JC, remember, we have a short, short teach show today, and I wanted to do one more thing before we go. There is a lot of misinformation going around today about this bill. This is H.R. 6666. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'm not kidding. It's 6666. Somebody said, wouldn't you just, like, add a number or take a number, you know? Like hotels, they they we've been in hotels where they they skip over the thirteenth floor, mm -hmm. right? Well, they don't actually skip over the thirteenth floor. They just st they skip over the number. That's what Colton when he was little, he's like, well, it's not like there isn't a thirteenth floor. They're just not calling it the thirteenth floor. Right. <laughs> but wait, just seriously. So anyway, what we have here is H.R. 6666, the, uh, also known as the COVID-19 Testing and Contact Tracing Using Mobile Health Units, also known as the TRACE Act. Now, there's a video going around by a doctor. There's a video, other videos going around about this piece of legislation. And I just want to tell everybody, um, maybe it takes a legal eye to read this and understand it but I want to put this wisdom in your head okay this bill does not create any authority any structure any platform any procedure there's no procedure created for contact tracing this is an appropriations bill that's it 
It simply gives out $100 million, $100 million for the fiscal year of 2020 to, to facilitate contact tracing. And it does say that the Secretary of Health and Human Services, acting through the Director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, may award grants to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for COVID-19, to trace and monitor the contacts of infected individuals, and to support the quarantine of such contacts through mobile health units, and as necessary, the testing testing individuals and providing individuals with services related to testing and quarantine at their residence. So what you need to understand, once again, this bill does not establish the means and procedures for contact tracing. This only provides the money for contact tracing. So when you contact your congressman, make sure that you're clear and in your disagreement. Because, remember, it's unconstitutional for the federal government to hand out this money. So that would be the argument. This bill does not authorize anyone to go into your house and arrest people. Like the video that we showed from uh, Ventura County, California. Mm. This bill does not create any structure, any platform, any legalization of that activity. Doesn't even give... Uh, doesn't even create a committee to design the structure. It's just a bribe. It's just a bribe. That's all it is. And I want to point so, out something. So that will happen at the state level. That will happen at the state level, which is why I wanted to bring this out, JC, because that's very good. Don't dilute the efficacy of your fight by attacking windmills, right? So this is not... We're going to be so focused on the federal, on government, the federal government while the state's the one carrying it out. Yes. we federal government's writing the check. Right. But it'll be your states and local governments that are doing this. Yeah. They will be, be the ones implementing it. Right. It'll be your state and local governments that will be implementing this, so you must keep your eyes open. It says that eligible entity means... Uh, healthcare centers, schools, hospitals, medical centers, nonprofit organizations, institutions of higher learning. So we don't even have in the direct of eligible entity a list of county, state, or city governments in receiving this. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that under subsection 2F1H, uh, it does give the Secretary of Health the latitude to hand out that money to any other type of entity. But just so you know, these entities, the A through, that you're seeing on the list here on the screen, A through G, are the ones that have to get this money first. So the odds of this $100 billion being paid to your city, to your county, and to your uh, state directly in, you know, hiring troops to come ba bash down your house are, are not very uh, likely. And the thing that we must, now I'm not saying there's not going to be future appropriations on those things, but we do need to recognize that this is simply... It's interesting that uh, E is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, it says, as far as the funds eligible entity to receive these funds, E, a nonprofit organization, it says, including any such faith-based organization. 
So right. it's an indication that churches are going to be involved. Churches, mosques, and synagogues are going to be involved uh, in contact tracing people. So you may yeah. have your uh, you may have your temple, your church, or your mosque uh, essentially spying on you, being paid to spy on you on the behalf of the government, the state government, so they can get their money. Now, uh, here's high the thing. school. Yeah. They're co-opting high school well, I would say to that, be involved in this? Yeah, and I would say in, in the text of this language, it would probably be your church is getting federal money to act as a testing site. Well, I mean, Or your school is getting federal money for every test. So if you go to church and you cough, then all of a sudden the church members can demand or the church administration can demand that you get tested. So that every test that they administer at the church, they get money to administer that test. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you test positive, which we know, by the way, from medical experts all over, that the testing shows an 80% false positive. So you are, are better than 50%. You have a majority of these tests coming out to be false positives. And so once you test positive, then the quarantine happens and then the, the contact tracing begins. So while this, this bill doesn't lay out the structure, uh, it's almost like a sketch. Like you get an indication mm -hmm. of where this stuff will be happening on your state right. level. I mean, who, who actually thought, well, high schools are going to be part of this? Well, here's a little indication and, and maybe some kind of direction. They're sort of giving subtle instructions to the state like, hey, here's Just how you can do it. One more, you know, re reason 455,726 why our son will never go to a public school. So I want you guys to realize so, that. The so the House Bill 6666 is the write the check. That's the checkbook. That's write the check. And a sketch of where this stuff will be taking place on the state level, but yes. it'll be the states you and local to, governments yes. who are building these structures. Just like we heard Hillsborough County uh, conference call of this, this the, what do they call it? The dashboard, whatever, dashboard, and they're using uh, heat, whatever, I don't even know. Drones in, infrared, with infrared drones sensors. Drones to and see where people are gathered so that ultimately somebody could come knock on your door uh, and and drag you off to the to the COVID camp. Right, right. So so you can have more than one bathroom. So this will give you an indication. Number one, that you have to be diligently watching your state and local governments for implementing these contact tracing rules. And as you said, it gives you sort of a a sketch on where you need to be watching for these implement the implementation of this contact tracing. Now, wow. I'm going to be publishing some stuff later about how the contact tracing as it's been submitted, we've seen actually out uh, over uh, let me excuse me is is press there's precedent in the Supreme Court that that says the way they're wanting to implement this is completely unconstitutional. So I'm going to be publishing that a little bit later. Now, I remember I have a webinar, so we've got to pop out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let JC finish up the show for like the last two minutes. I'm going to go and do a wardrobe change, and he'll say goodbye and do the closing remarks. And when I get back, I've got to pop on the webinar. So thank you guys for joining uh, JC and I today. And from me, 
God bless you, and I'll see you tomorrow. JC, take it away. I have nothing. Just remember, go to go check out the uh, T-shirt shop, GodGunsLiberty.com. Uh, we have uh, some shirts there, and I, I have the non-compliance shirt up with the flag behind it. Peaceful non-compliance is not breaking the law. Peaceful non-compliance is what we, the people, engage in when the government breaks the law quote from Chris Ann Hall. So we got that shirt finally rolled out there and uh, the Liberty is Essential shirt that mentions the uh, five liberties under the First Amendment, due process, and uh, the right to keep and bear arms in the little camo stripes there on the um, flag silhouette. So don't forget to check that out. And we are, just wanted to let you know, we're streaming this a different way. So we're also streaming live at this time on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, I believe also uh, on the Oath Keepers channel as well as on our YouTube channel. So a lot, there are now a lot more uh, platforms that you can access. And so uh, if you have any friends, they don't want to watch YouTube, then you got all those, all those other venues. So check those out. Appreciate you guys. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. I got to try to